darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. 
You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded. Well, good evening, everyone. We are so glad that you're here tonight at Victor Christian Fellowship. This is our Wednesday night refreshing service. Hallelujah, God is so good, and we're glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, we just want to say hello to you as well. Father, we just come here tonight expecting good things from you. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and true. You accomplish everything that your word sets out to do. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise that there's freedom in this house, there's joy in this house, there's healing in this house, and Lord, you're doing a great and wonderful thing, we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's worship tonight, are you ready? We worship you. We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the
you go before us and we follow you and we know your voice. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your gift of salvation. Oh, you're a very present help in trouble. You're the rock on which we stand. The great I am. Oh, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Glory to your holy and wonderful name. Oh, just give him some praise. We lift you up in this place, Lord Jesus. We bless your holy name. Praise you, Lord. You're so good. You're so good and faithful. Hallelujah. And Lord, we know that you're here because your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in our midst. And you're moving. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us and we listen to you. It is my desire that you know my joy. You experience it. It flows through you. It bubbles up within you. You can rejoice and be glad. And that you know my peace. For my peace is your release. My peace passes understanding. I give you my peace. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Glory to God. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. They are phenomenal. Just want to let you know that uh, next Wednesday, uh, the 21st, we're going to have our candlelight service uh, for Christmas. And uh, we will not be having a service on Sunday the 25th. So if you want to come and celebrate uh, Christmas, you can come next Wednesday, same time, 6.30 p.m. And uh, it's going to be a great time full of uh, joy and wonder. And then uh, this Friday, ladies, it's Woven. Woven is our ladies group. It's called Women of Victory Who Enjoy New Life. And that's from 6 to 8 p.m. this Friday right here. So, uh, ladies, you can come and be part of that. And uh, they're finishing up a series that uh, they've been doing. Hallelujah. And uh, also, uh, this Sunday, if you want to learn how to witness to someone and you want to develop your witnessing skills, you can learn about that on Sunday morning. And uh, we have a live demonstration. Hallelujah. But we're glad that you're here tonight. If you'd like to tonight, you can uh, give any time during the service. It's good to invest in the kingdom of God because God gives great rewards. Amen. And uh, that's one way that we can worship God is through giving. And uh, God's a giver. And uh, we should be able to uh, give in faith and give cheerfully. Amen. 
Hallelujah. So you can give anytime during the service. If you're watching online, you can give uh, through our website. If you go to vcfpa.org, and uh, that's a way that you can give there. It'll tell you how to do that. And uh, God is good. Amen. And Father, it is just my honor and privilege to pronounce a blessing upon every giver and their gifts, Lord. And I thank you. It's going into your kingdom and it's changing lives. And Lord, we just give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Bless them. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. We have some kids in here that we're going to dismiss to kids' life. Kids living in faith every day on a Wednesday. Glory to God. So kids, go to your class. Thank you, teachers and helpers. Hallelujah. How many's ever had a, uh, a a good belly laugh? Well, when you laugh from your gut, it'll get you out of the rut. All right? When you laugh from your gut, it'll get you out of the rut. Joy is actually the best stress reliever that God made. Amen. But I'm not going to talk to you about joy tonight. Hallelujah. But um, how many has ever heard that for every action or force in nature, there's a equal reaction, right? And maybe you've seen the, the, the set of balls uh, on strings, right, where you, you release one and they can click, 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 you know, like that. Well, I'm going to give you the spiritual side of that tonight, and it's the law of sowing and reaping. For things that you sow, you're going to reap. It's going to be a little bit different take on this tonight. All right? And um, so I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 7. God put some laws in place, and uh, the Bible says this in verse 7, Galatians 6, it says, do not, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Say, whatever I sow, that shall I also reap. So you want to be careful what you sow. Because this is a principle. Okay? Verse 8, he says, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption or destruction. Who wants to reap corruption or destruction? Okay? But if you sow to a certain area, that's what you're going to reap. Because this is a law. Alright? But, I love it when God butts in. Amen? But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life, life everlasting. How many like life everlasting better than corruption or destruction? All right? So if you want life everlasting, then you've got to sow to a particular place. You've got to sow particular things. You've got to sow to the Spirit in order to reap life. Life is found in the spirit. Amen. God is a spirit. He's the author of life. 
And when, when he created man, he created man from the, the dust of the earth, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. All right? So, if you're going to sow to the flesh, you're going to reap something. But if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap something. You determine what you receive by what you sow and where you sow. Amen? All right? And then he says in verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. How many know if you, if you do good, and doing good is doing God's good. Right? You know, we have a, 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 a definition of what's good, but God has a definition of what's good. God is good. So if God is good, then he has the right to determine what's good or not. All right? How many's ever been weary in well-doing? Like, oh, I can't believe I got to do this again. I got to help this person again. Be not weary in well-doing. Why? Because in due season, listen, there's a season that's due you. In due season, what's going to happen? You're going to reap. So hang in there. Keep, keep doing good. Amen. Don't give up on doing good. It's always good to be good. Amen. You might as well just be good all the time. And it has nothing to do with Christmas, right? God doesn't have a list on who's naughty or nice. But God just simply put in a principle, you reap what you sow. For every sowing, there's a reaping. Good or bad. Verse 10, as we therefore, as we have therefore opportunity... Let us do good to all men, but especially them who are of the household of faith. You want to do good to believers, right? And uh, so this is a spiritual principle. You don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 8.22, the Bible says, while the earth remains, is the earth still remaining today? So this is still in effect. He says, as the earth remains, while the earth remains, there is seed time and harvest, cold and heat. We got some cold out there, right? We got some heat in here. Amen. Winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Everybody say shall not cease. So seed time and harvest is going to be a principle as long as the earth remains. Okay. If you want to get something from God's kingdom, you got to sow something to God's kingdom. And I'm not talking about giving, but that's included in it. But you've got to sow some spiritual things to reap spiritual things. Amen? Uh, in Job 4.8, Job 4.8, he says, uh, this is not Job talking, but one of his friends. He said, as I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Okay? Can you see this working? All right? Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, just one page over. And look at verse 16. Hallelujah. We're going to get some things from God. If you want to get something from God, you've got to give something to God. What can you give 
to God to get something from God? Well, you can give faith. Amen? Because faith pleases God. What is faith? It's you believing God. It's you trusting God. It's you taking God at his word, believing what he said is true and accepting it and, and making that the final decision. When you give God faith, he gives you what he offers. Amen? If you go to Sheets, Sheets is going to require some form of payment. If you go and get a cup of coffee, you get gas. You can't just get gas and drive off. Amen? That's stealing. You got to either put your card in the machine or you got to pay with cash, right? You got to pay in some form and you got to have money to pay that, right? So if you want something from sheets, you got to give sheets something. If you want something from God, you got to give God something because you reap what you sow. It's a principle. Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Isn't that awesome? We can walk in. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? That means to live in the spirit, to be led by the spirit, to let the spirit influence you, to let the spirit motivate you, to let the spirit of God guide and direct you. When you walk in that, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you're going to reap spiritual things. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let me ask you something. Don't raise your hand. Just keep smiling and looking forward. What influences your life will determine the level of carnality or spirituality that you have? It'll determine the level of maturity or the lack of maturity. It'll determine the nature that receives, let me say it this way, the nature that receives the most nurture, care, and attention will be the biggest in your life. Did you know that we have two natures? We have, everyone who believes and trusts in God, we have a spiritual nature, Right? But we also have a nature of the flesh, our senses, our emotions, and our feelings, right? We all have them. But what influences you more? Okay, these are the questions. Just keep looking forward. I'm not looking for a response. Amen? Do you pamper your flesh or do you build your spirit? Which is more valuable to you? The things of this world... Or the things of God's kingdom? Which has a greater influence on you, your old man or the new man in Christ? And there was a holy hush. All right? Okay? Galatians 5.17, it says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh... And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. How many has ever had your flesh disagree with your spirit? Right? It's time to pray. You, you, you say, okay, i got to pray. Then your flesh says, I'm tired. I'm hungry. All right? Or you get phone calls out the wazoo, right? 
Your flesh becomes a distraction. It's fighting against the desire. You have this desire to pray, but your flesh doesn't want to pray. But guess what? Your flesh has to do what you tell it to do. Amen? When you are a born-again Christian, your flesh is no longer in control. It's now become an employee. Your flesh now has become a servant. Before you met Christ, your flesh was in control. I did it my way. Right? Okay? All right, verse 18. But if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Glory to God. Verse 19. The works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? You know, God lays things out pretty clearly. If you wondered what sowing to the flesh is, this is what it looks like. All right? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like. Okay? If you're doing these things, you are sowing to the flesh and you're reaping uh, corruption and destruction. But then he says, but, see here God butts in again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there isn't any law or no limit. And they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. Both the flesh produce something and both the Spirit produce something. They both produce things. It all depends on what you want to have in your life. That's what you're going to sow into, Right? If you want tomatoes in your backyard, you don't sow bananas. I planted bananas, but I was hoping for tomatoes. Well, it doesn't work that way. But a banana seed has the DNA of a banana, not a tomato. But when you plant a tomato seed, you get tomato plants. Amen? Okay? Let's go to Romans chapter 8 for just a minute. Then I'm going to give you some examples of what we can sow to God and reap from his kingdom. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is Wednesday night refreshing. Times of refreshing coming from his presence. Did you know that the teaching of the word is refreshing? You know, there's a lot of deception in our world today. There's a lot of lies. And the truth is refreshing. Hearing what God said is refreshing. Amen? God doesn't have to make it up. He doesn't have to sugarcoat it. God can just say it as it is because that's how it is. Because God has the ultimate say over everything. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Thank God that when you're in Christ, how do you get in Christ? You invite Christ in your heart. That's how you get in Christ. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Death. Say the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm so glad that God's laws are higher than the world's laws. 
There is a law that comes from God. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and it, it makes you free. It activates something in you. It makes you new. Hallelujah. It makes you a different glory to God. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Right? And uh, its opponent is the law of sin and death. Okay? So let me just highlight these for you, which is right here in this chapter. Okay? Um, The law of the spirit of life in Christ is the law of your new nature, your new man. Okay? It's the law of the kingdom of God. It is the law that Jesus lived by. The law of the spirit of life in Christ. Okay? The law of the sin and death is the ways of the flesh. It's how we lived our life before we met Christ. The law of sin and death is the worldly sinful uh, and it's guided by the sin nature. Okay? When, when someone is a sinner, they are bound by the sin nature. But when you come to Christ, he gives you a new nature. You've had a nature makeover. You've got a new nature. The old nature has been gone. If you're in Christ Jesus, the old nature is gone. The old you died. You're a new you. Say, I'm a new me. Hallelujah. So the law of the spirit of life is righteous and just. But the law of sin and death is worldly and sinful and guided by the sin nature. The sin nature provokes you. And it dictates you to respond from your senses, your feelings, your emotions, and your flesh. But the law of the spirit of life, it, it influences you that you operate in the spirit. You be led by the spirit of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. These laws are different, but they produce different things. The law of sin and death is fleshly minded, sense ruled, and emotionally driven. You know, God gave us emotions, but our emotions shouldn't be our leaders. Just like a change your oil light on your car. That just shows up when you need an oil change. It's indicating something. You've went this far, you've, you've traveled this, this many miles, and you need to change your oil, but you're not led by that. It's an indicator. Emotions and feelings are indicators, but they're not good leaders. But the Holy Spirit, he's a good leader. Because he leads us into all truth. He brings us into righteousness. He can discern lies like nobody's business. He's an expert in the truth. He's an expert in creation. He's an expert in you. Your default, before you knew Christ, your default law was, how can I help ease my flesh? But when you met Jesus, your default is, how can I please God? You see the difference? How can I ease my flesh versus how can I please God? You know, God wants us to be pleasing him. Amen? When Jesus entered your life, he became the number one priority of your life. 
We were all created to please God. Not everybody is pleasing God, but we were all created to please God. And we have to have Jesus to be able to please God. Amen? When you're abiding by the law of the spirit of life, you're concerned about God's will and purpose for your life. Hallelujah. You're more concerned about what he wants than what your flesh wants. When you're fleshly minded, you're always thinking about the flesh. You're thinking about it, making it comfortable, feeding it, but it leads to death. When you follow the flesh and the flesh alone, it's going to lead you to death. But when you follow the spirit, he leads you to life and peace. How many would rather go to life and peace versus death? Amen? Well, which law are you following? What are you sowing into? Amen? The law of the spirit of life in Christ is where the Holy Spirit leads, guides, and directs you. The law of sin and death is where the flesh leads, guides, and directs you. The, the law of sin and death is the spirit of slavery. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the spirit of adoption. It gives us the right where we can call God daddy. Did you know that you can call God almighty daddy? You can cry, Abba, Father. You can sit on his lap and say, hey, daddy, how you doing? Hey, daddy, I love you. Amen. God is the best father. If you had a father that wasn't so good, God will make up for it. Let me tell you, he's the best father. He's faithful. He's true. He's just. He loves you with an unconditional love. The law of sin and death produces slavery and fear. And you don't know God. But the law of the spirit of life produces sonship by adoption. Hallelujah. And when you're abiding by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit confirms that you're God's. He assures you. He sends a signal back that you belong to God. Hallelujah. He, he communicates, the Holy Spirit communicates with your spirit when you're abiding by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You have spirit to spirit communication. Some people use Apple, some people use Android, and believers use spirit. I'm part of the spirit network. How about you? You know, in the spirit network, I don't need a phone and there's never a drop call. There's reception wherever I go on the planet, Hallelujah. When, you, when you're in the spirit network, the Holy Spirit can talk to you and you can talk to him. There's intimacy. There's interaction with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? He comes to live on the inside of you. When you're abiding by the law of the spirit of life in Christ, he, he, he moves in you. He, he picks up his suitcase and says, you got a place for me? I'm, I'm going to be here for a long time. Amen. He's a pleasant guest. He's there to help you, not to harm you. He's there to lead you in good things, not bad things. He's a helper. He's a comforter. All right? Now, let me give you some examples. To receive spiritual rewards, you've got to sow spiritual seeds. All right? You say, well, what's a spiritual seed? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Let's go to the book of uh, Acts 
Well, before I do, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to look at uh, verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, all right, the first man, Adam, is earthly. The first man, Adam, committed the first sin of mankind. The first man, Adam, fell, okay? He said the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, but the last Adam, who's the last Adam? That's Jesus. He was made a quickening spirit or a life-giving spirit. Jesus is a life-giver. Hallelujah. All right, verse 46, how be it that he was, that, uh, how be it that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth. Adam, he was of the earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven. He came from heaven, glory to God. And he gained access to the earth by becoming a man. See, because God had already authored that man has dominion on the earth. So God had to become a man to undo what man did and make it right. All right? So, verse 48, as is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. Earthly produces earthly. Heavenly produces heavenly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Verse 49 And as we have borne the image of the earthly, yeah, we were all made, mankind was patterned after Adam. Okay? But, look it, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Glory to God. You ready for an upgrade? You you bore the image of the earthly, but you met the heavenly, and you invited them in. Now you bear the image of the heavenly. Heavenly, you were recreated in Christ Jesus. Now Jesus is the pattern of your life. Adam was, but now Jesus is. Okay? We can be like Jesus. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Okay? All right, let's go to uh, Romans, I mean, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Notice what this says. This was after the day of Pentecost. Peter had gotten up to preach. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Everybody say repent. Repent is a spiritual activity When you recognize that you're going the wrong direction and you make a decision to change and go the right direction. Okay? Repent and be baptized. Baptism is another spiritual event. Okay? Notice you repent and you be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive. Say, I shall receive. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice, you sow repentance and you sow baptism and you receive, you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You sow into the Spirit and you reap of the spiritual reward. Alright, let's go to chapter 3 
verse 19. It says pretty much the same thing, but you receive something different. Acts 3.19, repent therefore. Notice this comes first before the receiving. You, you doing an action that God recommends in order to get the reward. You're not doing it by works, right? But you're sowing something spiritual to reap something spiritual. You see that? You see the difference? Okay? Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. What, what do you call oh, detracted? Isn't that when they have a legal document and they have the black mark? It's called detract. Is that detracted? Is that the right term? Redacted. That's it. I knew there was a dacted in there somewhere. Did you know that if you try to read something that's been redacted, you can't read it? Guess what? When you come to Christ, your sins are redacted. You can't read it. No one else can read it. God doesn't read it. He forgets about it. Come on, somebody. But you repent. You sow the repentance. And then you be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. This is why we have this night. Amen. But notice, in order to reap the refreshing, you got to sow the repenting. You sow the repenting and you reap the refreshing. How many like to be refreshed? Do you remember that old commercial of the nest tea? They, I don't know, it was when I was growing up, they used to fall back into a pool of water, right? Oh, the nest tea plunge, right? The nest tea plunge. You'd fall back. It was a hot day. Sweat be breaking out your forehead. But the iced tea is so refreshing, it's like falling back into that pool. Where does the refreshing come from? It comes from the presence of the Lord. Amen? But you know what? You want to be refreshed? God will refresh you. But he wants you to sow the repentance. Now, maybe you don't need to repent. That's okay. You're just walking with God. Can you still be refreshed? Yeah. Do you realize anyone that's in faith, God keeps the spigot on. And you just got to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Okay? All right? Go to 1 John 1 9. 1 John 1 9. We have all missed the mark and we have all made mistakes at one point in our lives. Is it, am I right about that? There's no one in here that has never made a mistake or never did something wrong knowing it was wrong. How many want the cleansing that God offers? But notice what we have to sow. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, we sow the confessing and we reap the cleansing. If we confess our sins, that comes first. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Glory to God, I went through a spiritual car wash and now I'm clean. I was covered in filth and muck, but I went through the car wash and I was cleansed. Hallelujah. I conf- when you confess your sin. Notice, he is faithful and just. The minute you confess your sin, who you're confessing it to? To the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to go into a confessional to confess your sin to someone. Just tell Jesus. 
Amen? That's the beauty of what Jesus did. He made it available for all of us. Hallelujah. All right? Go to Proverbs, or no, let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. How many like to increase? Okay? I want you to see what precedes increase. Luke 6, verse 38. Hallelujah. It says, give. You sow giving, and it shall be given you. What it? Whatever it you sowed. Whatever it you gave. How many has ever made friends? You know, the Bible, the Bible says if you want friends, you know what it says to do? Be friendly. What a concept. If I show, if I sow friendship, I can get friends. If you're an old grouch, you're not going to get friends. Because the Bible says you've got to be friendly to have friends. No one wants to be friends with a grouch. If you sow grouchiness, people will run away from you. If you want friends, you've got to be friendly. You've got to sow friendship. All right? Here, notice, give. That's mentioned once. And it shall be. Say, it shall be. When the Bible says it shall be, it means it can't go any other way. It has to go this way. It shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet or that you measure, it'll be, get, it'll be measured to you again. In order to increase, if you want to reap the increase, you've got to sow the giving. Amen? Spiritual action causes a, another spiritual reaction. And God's reactions are much better than our action. He, in this verse it says give, but it was given back to us five times. Five different ways. Hallelujah. Okay? Go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. In this little passage of scripture, it lists some things. If we want some things, it tells us what to do for these things. Okay? Can anyone purchase a miracle? No. But can you sow faith? Can you believe God? And does your faith cause miracles to come to you? Absolutely. You're not purchasing a miracle, but you're giving God your faith, and he gives you what he offers. Amen? It's a simple exchange. All right, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. So this is what you sow. You sow remembering the word. And keeping the word. Now what do you reap? Verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. How many want days to be added to you? But then you got to sow keeping the word and remembering the word. And you'll reap length of days, long life and peace. Let me say what the Amplified says. All right, listen to this. Hallelujah. Let me get there. Come on. There we go. 
Everybody say, sow something, reap something. Hallelujah. For length of days and years of life worth living. God's not going to give you a long life that's living on, under a broken avenue and barely get along street. A light, say a life worth living. And tranquility and prosperity, the wholeness of life's blessings, they will add to you. All you got to do is keep and remember the word and then God will add these things to you. You sow the keeping and the remembering, he sows the adding and the multiplication. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, God is a good trader. Amen? He'll take your filthy rags and he'll make righteous robes out of them. He'll take your sorrow and he'll give you dancing and rejoicing. Hallelujah. He'll take your sin and shame, and he'll give you freedom and peace. Hallelujah. All right? Verse 4. Well, uh, no, verse 3. Proverbs 3, 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. So you want to sow mercy and you want to sow truth. Okay? Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. So shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God. How many want to find favor? But you've got to sow mercy and truth. What does it mean to bind it on your neck and to sow it? That means you live it. You put it on display in your life. Truthfulness and mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall have mercy. How, how often is mercy new? When you woke up this morning... There was a new batch of mercy waiting for you because mercy is new every morning. Hallelujah. How many are thankful for God's mercy? If if it wasn't for God's mercy, none of us would be here right now. Thank God for his mercy. He is good and gracious. Okay? So you sow mercy and and, uh, truth and you you reap favor. And Jesus increased in favor and stature with God and man. If Jesus can increase in favor, so can we. All right, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You so trust and lean not to your own understanding. All right? You reap and you acknowledge God in all your ways and you reap direction and a good path to walk on. How many want direction? All right? Well, then you gotta, you got to trust God with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding because let me tell you something, you can't understand God. You gotta trust Him. There's a lot of things where you, you don't understand why God does it or, or what He's doing, but you trust Him, amen? Why should you trust Him? Because He's good. You trust Him because He cannot lie. You trust Him because He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? You trust him because he's trustworthy. He has proven his trust. And when you sow your trust, you reap direction and a good path. Amen? Are you getting the picture? Well, let's read on. Verse 7. Be not wise 
in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. So this is what you sow. You stop making yourself wise. I'm so wise. Yeah, in your own eyes, that's a problem. Amen? Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. What does that mean? Reverence, honor, and respect him. And depart from evil. Everybody say depart from evil. So if you're doing evil, you've got to stop it. And what are you going to reap? It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Oh, my goodness. When you stop doing evil, you reap health and strong bones. Amen? You know why you need strong bones? Because your blood comes from marrow of your bones. And life is in the blood. You need strong bones for good marrow, so for good blood. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Let's read on. Verse 8. I mean, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your substance. You sow honor. What does it mean? You, of your substance. What substance? It's your time, your talent, and your treasure. All right? Honor the Lord. This is what you sow with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Right? You're putting God first. You're honoring him. What do you reap? You reap barns that are filled with plenty and vats that burst out with new wine. When you honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits, you reap filled barns and vats that burst out with new wine. That's your, your physical life and your spiritual life. That's bursting out is your spiritual life. See, because Jesus, what was his first miracle? He turned water into wine. Amen? You can't get drunk on water, but you can get intoxicated on wine. And God will make your water. Water is salvation, but wine is the Holy Ghost. You can get intoxicated. These men are drank, no, drunk. No, they're not drunk as you think so, but they're, they're, this is that. Amen? Okay. Hallelujah. Let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Just a few more minutes. How many would love to have a peace that passes understanding? Trouble could be going all around you, but you got this peace that you just don't understand. Why are you so happy? Because I got a peace that passes understanding. Philippians 4, 6. Look at this. Be careful for nothing. Another way to say it, be anxious for nothing. If you are starting to feel anxious, worry, or taking upon care, that are all, that's all relatives of fear. What does the Bible say? Be anxious or be careful for what? Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You sow prayer, you sow supplication, that's praying for the saints, and you sow thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. How come the peace of God doesn't come before you sow? 
The peace of God comes after you pray, after you sow that to God. Then the peace that passes, listen to this, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Everybody say all understanding. That's a peace that blows your mind. That's just a better way of saying it. How can you be so calm? Because I got a peace that passes understanding. Don't you know what's going on? No, I know, I know who, in whom I believe. Paul, the apostle Paul, was a prisoner. And he was going to Rome. He told them, don't sail. But he was not the captain of the ship. He was a prisoner. So the captain of the ship outranked Paul and he said, we're going to sail. Because where they were, the sky was blue, the sun was shining, the water was calm. It's beautiful. We should set sail. It reminds me of a story. When we went to New Zealand with my parents, and uh, we flew out of Chicago, and... My mom had a hotel for when we got back so that we could stay in the hotel. And then, you know, it's a two-hour ride from Chicago because we were coming in late at night. Well, the sky was beautiful in Chicago. You could see the stars. It was clear. My dad and I said, let's just get home. Well, halfway home, we we ran into the worst snowstorm ever. We We could do 20 miles an hour on the freeway. And it, it, it had those big snowflakes that are coming at you that mesmerize you. You're like, uh, you know, you can't see the road. And my mom's going, we should have stayed at the hotel. We should have stayed at the I said, we're going to make it. Well, four hours later, we finally made it home. Should have listened to mom. I'd, sorry, mom, I didn't listen to you. But we made it home safely. But see, if I had just listened to mama, we could have avoided the storm. So Paul, when they set sail, it was all beautiful. The weather was calm. But then they went into a Euroclide, and that's where three storms are coming together. That's like a nor'easter, right? It was, it, was, it was dark for like two weeks in a row. Waves were coming in the boat. The men hadn't eaten. There was 276 people on the ship. And an angel appeared to Paul. And said, Paul, the ship's going to be lost, but no life will be lost. Say no life. Say no life lost. Paul had a peace that passes understanding in the worst storm that he could ever find himself in. And sure enough, they they got rid of all the tackle, everything. Finally, they ate some food. and, And they spent like three weeks in this condition of this storm. Total darkness, ship being tossed around, waves coming in, you know. But Paul had that visitation of an angel. And when they got to land, the ship was busted up. It, it was, it was, the ship didn't make it. But every person, 276 people made it to shore. Not one was lost at sea because they had a word from God. And he was able to exercise that calm in the midst of a storm. That's a peace that passes understanding. But if you want that peace, you've got to sow the spiritual thing. 
Amen? All right, let's just look at one more. Oh, go to James chapter 1. Yeah, we'll finish with this one. James chapter 1. How many has ever faced trouble? Is there anybody in here that's never had trouble in your life? Then we'll pray for you. Because you're not being truthful. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, now, I always got hung up on this word count, right? I thought that you count. It says, let me just read it. It says, my brethren, count it all joy. Everybody say, all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations or various trials, notice You didn't cause them, you fell into them. Okay? This word count, I always thought, well, you count to joy. Or there's a joy countdown. It's not that at all. Listen to this. This word count, it means to consider. It means to lead the way. It means going before as a chief. It means a governor or official who leads others. It means the leading thought in one's mind to esteem or regard highly a leading authority providing leadership in the local church. So he's telling us that when you fall into trouble, when you fall into diverse trouble, joy should be your number one leading thought. To get you through the trouble. You don't count to joy. Joy should be the thought that comes up. Trouble's coming. I fell into this trouble. Joy is right here to get you through. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Everybody say for the joy. That joy was what? It was set before him. The cross was the most gruesome form of punishment that any human being could go through. The whippings, the beatings. It was the most gruesome torture. And you died by suffocation after you bled, after you were whipped and your body was open. And Jesus willingly, there was a joy that was set before him. The joy was seeing you and I coming to Jesus. The joy was seeing you and I getting born again and coming into the family of God. And that joy went before Jesus. It it caused him to endure the most tragic and horrific form of punishment that anyone can ever go through because God designed the cross as the payment for our sin. But it was the joy. Count it all joy. Consider it all joy. Not a little joy. All joy. Put all your joy chips on the table. Why? Because you need joy to get you through trouble. Because the trouble will try to steal your joy. But the trouble didn't give you the joy, so the trouble can't take it away. Joy comes only from Jesus. He is the joy giver. What didn't give you the joy can't take it away. But who gave you the joy? 
counted all joy. Woo! Get excited when trouble comes. When Stephen was being stoned in Acts 7, he was being stoned because they tried to argue with him, but they couldn't argue against him. And he was testifying of Jesus. And they had to have false witnesses lie about him. But he was testifying to the truth. And his face looked like an angel. So they, 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 the Bible says they gnashed their teeth at him. That's like, ah, and they started stoning him. You know what? There was joy for Stephen. What was the joy? He was seeing Jesus standing at, at the throne in heaven. He, he wasn't even concerned about the rocks that were pelting his body. He was so caught up in the joy of the moment that he, I don't think he ever felt the pain to the rocks. Count it all joy. Consider it all joy. Let joy be the leading thought when you fall into trouble. You didn't plan the trouble. It just happened. How many know trouble doesn't send an invitation? How many know, has anyone ever gotten an RSVP from trouble? No, trouble just says, here I am, like it or not. You didn't invite me, but I showed up. That's what trouble does. But we ought to have a joy in our heart. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Do you realize trouble is just testing your patience? Are you going to make it or is trouble going to overwhelm you? Verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. What you doing? I'm letting patience work. I fell into this trouble. I couldn't do anything about it, but I got joy and the joy is going to get me through. The joy is the dominant thought. It's my chief thought. Hallelujah. It's my leading thought. That's going to get me through the trouble. Say joy helps me overcome trouble. What does the Bible say? Joy is a strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Say joy makes me strong. Hallelujah. The, la- the louder you laugh, the more you laugh, the stronger you get. Glory to God. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. How how did you want nothing when trouble came? Because I had so much joy that I overcame the trouble. And the trouble couldn't do what it was designed to do. It couldn't knock me down. It couldn't push me over. It couldn't move me. Hallelujah. I'm steadfast on the rock. Glory to God. Woo, I got the joy of Jesus. I got the joy of knowing Jesus. And joy is the first thought that comes to my mind when I'm in trouble. Hallelujah. That's what's going to get you through. Some, you know, the Bible says sometimes you've got to shout for joy. There's joy, there's rejoicing, and there's gladness. Not going to go into the levels of joy tonight, but there are levels of joy. Amen? Let me just end with this. The NIV says consider it pure joy. Woo! The Berean literal Bible says esteem it all joy. The uh, Christian Standard Bible says, consider it a great joy. Everybody say, a great joy. What are you considering a great joy? The trouble? No. Who's going to get you through the trouble? Did you know that God didn't cause the trouble? So if God didn't cause the trouble, he can get you through the trouble. The trouble came from somewhere else, right? Remember when the disciples were stuck on the lake in the storm water? The storm just came up. It wasn't invited. It didn't send the RSVP. It just showed up. 
an unwanted guest. They were rowing and rowing for hours and getting nowhere until Jesus, the joy, got into their boat and he made the winds be still and calm. Well, no, that was when he was asleep in the boat. But when he got into the boat, it was interesting. When Jesus got into the boat, they're they automatically at the shore. After two hours of rowing and not getting anywhere, but when Jesus got in the boat, they were there. Amen? Someone, Jesus needs to accelerate you. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. The, the contemporary English version says, my friends, be glad when trouble comes. Everybody say, be glad. And then the, the Weymouth translation says, reckon it nothing but joy. That's the southern version. Reckon it nothing but joy. Amen? You know what? We got some things that God wants us to have. But in order to get those things, we got to sow some spiritual things. Because God is a spirit. And they, they who worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Be led by the spirit and be rooted in the truth. And God will give you what he offers. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know that some of you came in here tonight and needed some refreshing. Well, you came with everything that you need to get it. Amen? How many could use some refreshing tonight? All right? Just want you to come up front right here real quick. We're going to do this real quick. Just... A minute or two. Hallelujah. Did the Bible promise you that refreshing 